Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter 47, and uh, we'll continue in this. Genesis 47, we're going to start here at verse 20, but first let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mighty word this morning, Lord. Help us, Lord, to take in all that you have for us now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis 47, verse 20. Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians sold every man his field because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other end thereof. Only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh, and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them. Wherefore, they sold not their lands. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the increase, you shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own, for seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day. I just want to point out that Moses was writing this uh, 400 years later, so this was unto that day, unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt and the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die, and he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt, but I will lay with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. All right, now, in our last study, we saw the setting here, which was very severe. It was the famine had really gripped the land. We saw that in verse 13, where it said there was no blood. We saw how all the Egyptians ended up giving all their money to Joseph for food, and that didn't buy them enough food to last for the famine. And then we saw in verse 15 how the Egyptians threw themselves on the mercy of Joseph to help them because they were dying and they didn't have any money. And then Joseph offered to buy their cattle, and, and they, they sold their cattle, and they brought all their cattle, and, and then that didn't buy enough food for them to last through the famine. So in verse 18, that's when they said, we will not hide it from my Lord, how our money is spent, and my Lord also has our cattle, and all that's left is our bodies and our land. So the Egyptians were not hiding from Joseph. They had nothing. 
They had nothing at all, and they were starving. They had everything, and they said, look, all we've got left is our bodies and our lands. So they came to Joseph. They lay their cards on the table here, and they appealed to the mercy of Joseph. In essence, they were saying to Joseph, we know that you are a kind, tender-hearted, loving person, and we're appealing to your kindness to save us because we have nothing. We have nothing at all. That's such a picture of a person when they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is seen in the Bible when we look at him as a very gentle person, as he's described in Isaiah 40, verse 11, Isaiah 40, 11, where it describes the Lord Jesus as a shepherd. And he said, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. He shall carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. That's him. That's the Lord Jesus. He's seen as this. That picture of the Lord Jesus gives great encouragement to souls, to us, and anyone who comes and says, I don't have anything like the Egyptians. But it's just like that song says, all I had to offer him was broken down, and he made something beautiful of my life. Now, because Joseph was like the Lord Jesus. He was a compassionate man. Joseph was a compassionate man. He responded, and and when they said to him in verse 19, buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants to Pharaoh, and then give us seed that we can live and not die, they were asking Joseph to buy them. And, you know, Joseph, he could have said, that's worthless, what do I want? Land that's not going to bear anything, land that can't grow anything. You prove that. Why do I want you? You can't benefit me. He didn't do that at all. And they came to him because they knew who he was. And they said, look, we'll be your servants. Now, that's such a picture of the gospel call because the gospel call is not just a, a call to be saved from your sins. It's not just a call to get a million heavenly dollars. You know, why wouldn't you want to do that? The gospel call is really a call to follow the Lord Jesus. As as he said in in John 1.43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and finds Philip and says to him, follow me, follow me. And then in John 10.27, John 10.27, he describes his, his sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice, but that's not where he stopped. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. They follow me. And in John 12, 26, John 12, 26, he says, if any man will serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So being a Christian is really all about following the Lord Jesus Christ to be his servant. Now, Egyptians now, they finish off their cry to Joseph And they say in verse 19, that we may live and not die. Now, just think of that situation. I mean, there sat Joseph. He was in the palace in the lap of luxury. I mean, he had servants. He had enough food for everything he needed. He didn't have to respond to the people, but he chose to respond to the people. It's so much like the Lord Jesus Christ. There he was in heaven as God, and he had everything But he decided, and he uses these words, the Lord Jesus uses these words, to come down. He says in John 6, John 6, twice he used that. 
John 6.33, John 6.33, he speaks about the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now, of course, this analogy is talking about the manna. When the manna came down, the manna was speaking of him. He's the bread of God that came down from heaven. And John 6.50, John 6.50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. So what happened is that first, it says the Lord looked down. He looked down in Psalm 14. Psalm 14, verse two, it says, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And then in verse three, Psalm 14, Psalm 14, verse three, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So the Lord Jesus, Jehovah Jesus, he first looks down from heaven on the people, and he he really wants to see, he's trying to find someone who understands and seeks for God. And when he does that and he looks down, what does he see? There's not a single person, not one solitary person who was doing good, not one. But what he saw was that every person was going astray. He saw people like the sheep of Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, all of us, all we like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And if that wasn't terrible enough, it was not only what he saw, is what he smelled also, because he looks down and he smells dirty, rotten sinners. It says that they are altogether become filthy. So everyone looks and smells like a dirty, rotten sinner. And at that point, the Lord could have said, the look and the smell is so horrible, there's no way that I'm gonna go down in the middle of all that. Just close the windows of heaven so I don't have to see it. Shut the door, the smell is horrible. But just like Joseph, who could have said, close the doors and close the windows of the palace so I don't have to hear about this great need and see see all the terrible situation out there. That's just not what the Lord Jesus did. His decision was to become the John 6.33, John 6.33, bread of God, and he came down from heaven. And Joseph likewise responded to the poor Egyptians, and that became the picture. When Joseph did that, he became the picture, the embodiment, the picture of the person described in Psalm 41.1. Psalm 41.1, which says, blessed is he that considereth the poor. That's what Joseph did. He said, let me, let me see what the situation is here. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. That's an encouragement. And in Proverbs 29.7, Proverbs 29.7, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regard not to know it. And then it says further in Proverbs 11.26, Proverbs 11.26, that he that withholdeth corn, I mean, there was Joseph sitting on all that corn, He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. And that's what Joseph did. And you see later on, the people come to him with a blessing when they say, you saved our lives. You saved our lives. So Joseph did what they proposed. In verse 20, he buys all the land in Egypt 
and the land became Pharaoh's. So he buys all the land, and this is a, that, that last statement is not to be understated or uh, because it's very important. The land became Pharaoh's. See, from that point, things were never the same in Egypt. That changed Egypt because before this verse, before this verse here in verse 20, before verse 20, the king or the Pharaoh of Egypt had a, a large estate. That was the Pharaoh's estate. And that estate supplied his needs and also generated revenue to pay for whatever war that they would go into. But the people owned their own land, and probably they didn't pay taxes to the king. And the priests had their own land because they had a grant from Pharaoh, and Pharaoh actually fed them from his estate. But Egypt was, at that point, divided up with each individual owning whatever parcel of land that he had, and that was independent from Pharaoh. Now, the army in Egypt, that was made up of of the men of Egypt, of the land, but they were paid by Pharaoh from the revenues from Pharaoh's estate. But after this, it all changed. Because when Joseph bought all the land for Pharaoh, that changed all the land, because now it became owned by Pharaoh. And this became something of a new standard in the Middle East. For example, I, I think I told you that when I went to go buy a house in Israel, we searched around, searched around, found, oh, this is a perfect house. That was the good news. Then came the bad news. The bad news was, as our attorney explained it to us, 93% of the land of Israel is owned by the government. Oh, I guess Joseph's influence must have come to Israel too. And it's, it's when you buy a land or buy a property or whatever, it's a 99-year lease from the government. And only 7% of the land in Israel is, that, is not owned by the government. Well, that had a particular impact because on me personally, because I found out that the government said about the land that they own, the 93%, that if a person uh, uh, wanted to buy that, they had to be an Israeli citizen or they had to have the right to become, the ability to become an Israeli citizen. And the law was that if your mother and your father were Jewish, that's me, and you were baptized, that's me, you do not have the right to become an Israeli citizen. So I couldn't have the house if it was on the 93% of the land. But praise the Lord, the Lord said to me, in essence, I got you covered because the house we chose was on the 7% of the land, not owned by the Israeli government. So I could own that land along with the sheik of, of Saudi Arabia if he wanted to be the next door neighbor if it was on that land anyway. So at the end of verse 20 here, we see the land became Pharaoh's. It just changed Egypt. And it created also for Pharaoh a very substantial revenue very substantial tax that became instituted in Egypt. So if you go to Egypt and you see those great sites of all of those treasure cities that were built and the monuments and the pyramids and et cetera, et cetera, you should know that those were made possible and each one of those sites, you know, whatever they are in Egypt, ought to have a little inscription on the bottom that says, courtesy of Joseph because he's the one that made all the revenue to build all these things by this last statement there at the end of verse 20. Now, as soon as Joseph had gotten the land for Pharaoh and then the people had become servants to Pharaoh, Joseph went to work redistributing the people in verse 21. He removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other end thereof. So 
He owns all the land. The people are his servants. And so Joseph is free to make some very key changes. And one of those changes is he moves the people throughout all the to all the he moves them all around the cities in Egypt. Now I want to ask you, why do you think he did this? Why did Joseph move the people to the cities? I mean, there they are. They're very happy. They've lived on this land for who knows how long, and it's their land. It's their place. It's their house, and now he moves them, and he uproots them and puts them in, in the cities. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because he, he likes cities. He, liked, he wanted to have a mass transit system or something like that. Why do you think he did that? Anybody got any ideas? Where were those storehouses that Joseph built? What did he put those storehouses? Anybody remember where the storehouses were? They were in the cities. Yeah, and it says that in Genesis 41, 41, 47. He gathered up all the food of seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, laid the food up in the cities. So he lays the food up in storage. He's got these big storage centers, critical to get the food on a regular basis to the people. So rather than to try to devise some complicated transportation system, it's just more efficient, more convenient, just put the people where the food is. So what probably happened here is that Joseph gave to the people plots of land around the city so they could get the food easily. And, and not only that, but when things started to pick up again, the famine was over, then they could also get their food and their produce to these hubs, these cities here. So he's thinking, Joseph's thinking of everything as he moves the people there. I mean, what a job that was to get everyone to pull up stakes and move to the cities. Now, he moves everyone to the cities except for the priests. The priests he doesn't touch in verse 22. Only the land of the priest body not, for the priest had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh and did eat the portion. So the priests Joseph doesn't touch because they have this special grant from Pharaoh. So he doesn't move them. He doesn't move them, and he doesn't buy them. He don't, they don't sell themselves to become Pharaoh's servants. Now, besides all this, we can imagine here that also Joseph has a little special link to these priests. Remember what the special link was? His wife was the, was the daughter of one of the priests. So some of those priests were Joseph's in-laws. It might seem strange to you. I mean, it might seem strange to you to see Joseph accommodating idolatrous priests. And that's why the note in verse 22 is very important when it says the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh. See, it was of Pharaoh. It wasn't of Joseph. It was of Pharaoh. So this issue here with the priests, this is delicate. This is a kind of a delicate affair here because Joseph knew, I'm not going to get involved with that. He wasn't to get involved with it. He had to leave the priests, their land, their food, just like he found it, because that's what Pharaoh wanted to be done with the priests, and that's what Joseph did. You know, Joseph didn't go through the big, you know, scene protest of, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a Bible believer, and I can't support anything to do with those idolatrous priests, so I'm not going to do it. I don't want anything to do. I want this idolatry to shut down, and I'm going to be in this part here, this place here, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut it down. That was not Joseph. That was not Joseph. Joseph knew that a change of heart and a turning to the true God had to come within each individual person, priest or not. And Joseph was willing to wait for each person to turn to God rather than try to institute some government force turning to the true God. 
And if you go to Germany and you talk to people, as I have, what has turned you off to God? It was the state-forced religion classes that they had to take in the schools. If they were in the Protestant areas, they had the, the Lutheran or the Evangelical Free Church, and if they were in the Catholic areas, they had the Catholic, but it was forced on them. So Joseph didn't do that. Joseph honored the desire of Pharaoh to care for these idolatrous priests. After all, Egypt was not really Joseph's home, and he wasn't trying to make it that way. And he made it very clear when he died that he wanted his bones also to be taken out of Egypt. After all the influence that he had on Egypt, he wanted to be gone from Egypt. And also that was a statement that God was going to bring Israel out of Egypt. So now the transaction is all done now. It's all done now. All the people have been bought, the land, and he makes this great announcement in verse 23 when Joseph said unto the people, behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you and you shall sow the land. So he starts off and he says, behold, I have bought you this day in your land. And we can imagine the people, when they hear that, they're thinking to themselves, this is good. This is what we wanted. This is good. This is a good thing. I'm really glad to be owned by Pharaoh and managed by Joseph because now I'm going to be provided for by Joseph and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to have to try to sell next to buy food. See, this is very much like the song that said, joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood, he came to redeem. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. So Joseph says, I bought you this day. So much like a happy day for those people. And they could have sung that song, oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell all raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day. All right, so this is a happy day. The Egyptians have fixed their choice uh, to be bought by Joseph or Pharaoh. They're owned now by Pharaoh. And then Joseph says to them, Lo, behold, look, here's seed. Here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. So he gave them seed. Now, he gave them seed. Now, when he gave them seed, what does that tell you about the time that it was when Joseph told the people to take the seed and sow the land? What does it tell you? That's right. That'd be the seven years were up. Because if you put seed in the ground and there's no rain, you just wasted the seed. He knew that they were in the sixth year there, and it was up. And that's, that was according to his prediction. Okay. Now, what year of the famine, what year of the famine did Jacob and his family come to Egypt? Remember? What year was it? Genesis 45, 6. These two years, he said, Joseph said to Jacob, these two years hath the family famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there'll be neither earring or harvest. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 